everybody, welcome back to Cover B. <sighs> Hi. <laughs> you seem a little down today. No, I'm super excited but for this episode. But aren't you just Jones to talk to the people about a brand new movie that came out? Yippee! <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> okay. Hi, welcome okay. to Real Extra. <laughs> Real Extra. <laughs> <laughs> the hype is not there. <laughs> Today, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Morbius. Insert the crickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just cricket sounds, and then the episode ends. Um, Morbius yeah. is out, starring Jared Leto. Uh, it got pushed back, but Couple it is times. out now this weekend, and we're here to tell you what we thought about it. Yeah, Morbius follows the uh, the 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 the. What is the word I'm looking at? Titular? Titular, yes. Titular character, Michael Morbius, who is a doctor suffering from some sort of, thank you, some sort of <laughs> uh, genetic issue that has resulted in him and other kids and people like him uh, from being less than capable. Um, he is on crutches his friend is on a cane which was weird because when they were kids his friend was on crutches and he was on a cane but let's not look too far into that um <laughs> he is now a world-renowned scientist and doctor helping people suffering from the same condition that he is uh and then he gets it in his head to use uh the coagulating compound found in the saliva of vampire bats in order to create some sort of serum that will help his body produce those same coagulating compounds uh, and heal him. He uses it on himself. It works, but also turns him into a vampire. This is who Morbius is. This is the same as in the comics, unless they've retconned things. Uh, he tries to subsist off of artificial blood, finds it harder and harder while he searches for a cure, and then a bad guy is injected into the movie because there has to be a bad guy, uh, and we deal with that. T, what were your overall non-spoilery opinions on this movie? Okay. It could have been worse true i have seen worse true i actually think i liked this one more than venom carnage true same uh that being if venom carnage was like a negative 10 <laughs> this is like a negative eight so like it's still below zero but it can see zero better then <laughs> let there be carnage can it it had 
And I know that's going to be like, it's funny to me the way, and sorry to interrupt. No, but it's okay. It's funny to me the way that superhero and comic book media functions as a whole in that the hot take is going to be guaranteed that this was better than Let There Be Carnage. Strictly because Let There Be Carnage had Venom and Carnage in it. And people are going to be like, it wasn't great, but it had Venom and Carnage in it. (laughs) And so the hot take, what's funny to me is that the hot take is going to be that a crappy movie was better than a crappy movie to some degree. (laughs) Like, it's it's just funny to me. They're both... Not great. Neither one was very good. Now, this movie had a couple things going for it, in my opinion, that Carnage didn't. Um, It was a little better paced. Not that it was well paced, but it was a little better paced, in my opinion. I felt like Carnage, everything happened so fast, I I was dizzy Mm -hmm. in Carnage. This one, at least I could follow what was happening, and it felt like the timing was fine. It, this one also kind of took itself a little more seriously, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of nice. That had a little bit of a nostalgic factor. That points to, me. to a fault, though, yeah, like which is true. Uh, where it's true. getting its its the common tagline has been that this is like an homage to like action movies of the early millennium. True, true, and that's valid. There's like I said, there's some level of a nostalgic factor to this movie. I feel like in the way that it's presented. I also really liked the cinematography in this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought the action sequences and the like fight scenes were very cool. I enjoyed it. It was nice to look at. Yeah. Most everything else? Not great. Yeah. So <laughs> my initial, my my knee-jerk reaction that I talked to T about as we were in the car, <laughs> silently driving home. <laughs> Brooding. <laughs> Wondering what happened to the hour and a half, two hours of our lives that <laughs> we'll never get back. Um, I don't even know how long this movie is. I refuse to look it up. <laughs> this movie doesn't get any more of our time. <laughs> um, but the the funny, like, my initial reaction is that the things I went in expecting to not like, I liked. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. The things I went in expecting to like, I didn't like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, namely, I was really excited for Jared Leto. He's an accomplished actor, you know, has won awards and nominations, has gotten acclaim for dramas and things like that. You were actually defending him before we saw this movie. Yeah, and, you know, everyone wants to rag on Jared Leto's Joker, but, like, what he was given... I felt like he put a really good performance in as that character. Yeah, absolutely. For like being handed that weird, cringy character yeah. and being told how to perform as this weird, cringy character, he did a good job. So yeah. I was excited for him to have another chance to kind of get into the superhero world because I feel like he's one of those actors that latches onto characters that he really appreciates. And so he puts a lot of passion into it. Like, he was very excited to be the Joker. Yeah. And he's similarly excited to be Morbius. Ah! (laughs) He went through this movie having the emotional 
range of a croissant and <laughs> kept his voice in such a weird mon. And I don't know if it was a directorial choice or if it was a Jared Leto choice for the character. He was trying to play like, this is a detached science guy. He's a little sickly. But like there's points where literally his lines don't match the face that he's making. His delivery is a little And there's strange. a few points of like exposition and science exposition, which are really clunky. It was not a good performance. It's going to be frustrating how little crap he's going to get online for a wooden performance compared to Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, who got dragged for quote unquote being wooden. But anyway, that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> But it's that just smells like, a little bit like a key issue right there. Yeah. Sometimes the dude doesn't even blink. He's just like staring <laughs> off into nothingness while he's delivering his lines. And he did well. Like, all things considered, he had decent chemistry with people. Mm-hmm. He, you know, held himself well. He managed the whole, like, I'm feeble and pale and scrawny kind of thing really well. But he just didn't have a lot of character he didn't i don't know it it's was weird it was a very a guy, shallow performance yeah, for me for a guy who's known for being like hot boy crush like for being the charismatic jordan catalano there yeah. was no charisma there was no like there there was nothing it's he like, was just yeah, flat. it's like he came in to play the role of like a scientist character and was like well you know, scientists are one of two ways. They're either like cold and calculated and kind of sociopathy or they're nerds. And Jared Leto would never be a nerd. <laughs> and it's like, OK, fine. And then like I went in expecting to hate like the action sequences ended up loving them. I think they were the, the vampire action sequences were the best part of this. movie. Oh, absolutely. If you just isolated those and had no story, it would be great. I went yeah. in expecting to hate Matt Smith's character after having read some suggestions of what he was going to be. Uh, loved it. Matt Smith did a really good like, job. He did a much better job performing than a lot of the people in this movie. A lot of the other people, like the other actors, even like the woman playing Bancroft, even the man playing the older doctor guy Nicholas. that helped them, Nicholas. Like... These other characters were just so flat. Yeah. And it felt very gray and stoic. Like there just wasn't a whole lot of life. Yeah. And And again, that kind of leads into this like nostalgic thing that a lot of people are claiming about it feeling like a movie from like the Audis. Because that was a lot of blade ish. Blade and underworld and stuff like that. And while it's hard, realistically it's hard to make vampire non horror vampire stories so like vampire dramas or vampire action films Mm -hmm. that don't feel very steeped in like that were the early 2000 like early to mid 2000s world because of things like underworld and the matrix and blade and the aesthetic that kind of goes along with vampires queen of the damned yeah and the aesthetic that goes along with vampires having such a drawback to those yeah you know like at the toward the end of this movie morbius is walking around in like a knee-length black trench coat with 
purple lining on the inside and it's badass it's awesome. but it's hard <laughs> to look at that and not be like that feels very matrix or that's that some feels 2002 very right yeah. there <laughs> and um that's some hot topic codage if i ever so like it. i get where it's coming from but you know and then i went in expecting not to like the story and i didn't, didn't. It, i didn't like it for a different reason i thought it would be cheesy and like over the top and weird i ended up not liking it because it didn't really exist yeah there wasn't much of a story beyond hey he has these abilities now yeah the rest of the story was kind of tacked on to give it some sort of thrust and some give momentum. some sort of antagonist yeah but like it wasn't really there yeah i everything just felt really dry like honestly it actually felt to me like it could have really benefited from a little bit of of camp um because that would have at least given it not necessarily like color or or anything but like you know one of the things that made those early 2000s movies work and why people loved them so much the blades and the underworld and the matrixes is that while they took themselves very seriously there was also this like purveying level of camp and performance and like Mm -hmm. like pageantry to them like you think of the blade like blood rave scene or you think of the like the the matrix like weird orgy rave thing like there's this like like excessive stuff like it just felt like there's moments of excess and i feel like this movie could have served so well from having one of those scenes where it just feels weirdly excessive it didn't have that like grandiose moment where it just kind of like it helps frame everything else you know what i mean it was missing that part which is so key to the aughts movies honestly it was missing any sort of compelling melodramatic antagonist yeah you know what i mean like i think similar to that kind of like big bombastic moment like the the matrixes and the blades and the you know the underworlds they all succeeded because their antagonists were very like larger than life and melodramatic it's true you can't go wrong with a deacon frost yeah and (laughs) you know some of the later ones like the later underworlds did worse i think mainly because they had fairly forgettable bad guys yeah you know it's hard to top bill nye you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's hard to top Deacon Frost and And that's stuff like why that. I, I think that's kind of similar thing happened with the Blade movies. Like Blade Trilogy, the heroes were more charismatic and entertaining than the villains. Yeah, and the guy Sorry Triple H. But like the primary yeah. villain was super kind of boring. Yeah, the guy they got to play Dracula just couldn't He couldn't the, hold it. The way they were portraying Dracula was really kind of muted and Yeah. And it didn't work. Blade, come to die. <laughs> Chill out, prison break. Meanwhile, all we're focusing on is pre-Deadpool Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Thank you. When the, wor- <laughs> when the world realized Ryan was a hunk. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and that's where I think... I think this just really faltered there. I think their choice of antagonist was really off, and I'll cover that. In the spoilery part. In the part. spoilery section. And I just think there wasn't really a story to be had. So that's kind of where it, like, the comparison between this and Let There Be Carnage. Let There Be Carnage had a story, sure, but it was very fast, very rapid paced, 
didn't expound a bunch. It was kind of a simple story that was just like streamlined to the end. And decisions made along the way were very confusing and disjunct. And goofy to a fault. And it was goofy to a fault. And honestly, the big reason that I put this one above Let There Be Carnage, if I could justify it for anyone who might, (laughs) you know, be wearing a black and silver spider shirt and carrying a pitchfork. Um, (laughs) The big thing I have about this one over that one is just honestly the action pieces were better. Yes, absolutely. Let There Be Carnage, you know, especially in a movie about Carnage, the action pieces were just so like, it was like all of them were like Carnage opening his jaw and lunging at someone and then it cut away and stuff like that. Like there were some cool, very short Carnage moments, but you know, them around the burning building and him breaking out of jail the first time and like all this stuff, it was just like blase. It, there wasn't enough. And yeah. I think honestly, the action bits in this one, a lot better. Yeah. I, I like them a lot better. I think I they were one of the... A lot of people, and there are people out there that are complaining, like, oh, it's a CGI nightmare. Dude, everything is. Relax. It's a vampire first of all. movie. Deal with it. First of all, CGI is here to stay. I'm sorry. And this wasn't like the ragdoll, silly CGI of, like, The Matrix. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it wasn't, like, silly and goofy and uncanny. Like, yeah, they deep faked the vampire faces and stuff, which at times was a little uncanny but i thought it wasn't bad at all times yeah and the action sequences were good they were well choreographed and well shot and it was like a cool use of echolocation a cool use of it was a flying. very very like, interesting way of portraying echolocation and flying i thought it was neat like it was so, a cool use of his powers which yeah, yeah. honestly Kind of looking at you, Marvel. We haven't had a lot of cool use of powers in a while. Like, it's been a lot of, you shoot beams, and you do, you know, it's, yeah, you do it's, this, and you hit stuff. And it's I like, like when they go okay, with, cool, great. <laughs> I like when they go with characters that they kind of feel the need to show their powers a bit more. Yeah. And then they have to work to make it unique. So, like, exactly. yeah, this guy is a vampire, and a lot of people can accept vampires and stuff. Um, but... Echolocation is a harder thing to show in movies, especially if you don't want to do another thing that would be very, like, old school, like, millennium and have, like, the camera literally change to be, like, different colors and, you know, stuff and show the stuff bouncing back. And so they did a really interesting way of keeping it a fresh take on, like, echolocation. And it, this was the first time we ever saw a superhero really, like, or a super-powered individual really, like, have to understand flying, you yeah. know? Normally, they're just like, oh, my God, I get, like, they accidentally do it. They're trying to jump off a building, and they're like, oh, I'm falling. And then they're like, oh, I'm flying now. Crazy. This was literally, like, his body was sensing flight, and he was trying to react to it you know what and i mean understand it's, the like nuance it's of interesting it. it's it's a cool way of handling that um but <laughs> only so much good and now we're gonna dip a little bit more oh and before we dip into spoiler stuff i just wanted to cover one and this might just be me being hypersensitive but i'm interested to know how the community feels about this uh it felt horribly ableist a little bit uh i don't think the choice of putting him in crutches and stuff 
was a really good choice. There's a few throwaway jokes that are, you know, being told by perfectly able actors telling these jokes uh, felt very ableist. Yeah. You know what I mean? It felt very kind of problematic in its own way. I, I understand that. that it matches with Michael Morbius's character in the comics. He was weak and was suffering from this condition and was trying his hardest to cure it. But like, I feel like there would have been other ways to show him that way yeah. without directly putting him on crutches. Um, that would have been just as fine. Yeah. And I, also, I why was he on crutches and his friend was on a cane and when they were kids, it was the other way around. Anyway, that just bothered me. It was valid. It's It was, there was some weirdness. Again, it was another moment where you're kind of like, when is this movie taking place? Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be interested to see. I haven't looked too much to see what the general opinion on that is. Uh, but that just kind of stood out to me that I was like, eh, eh, a little much. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, I don't, I think we could have done without the crutches. I agree. Props to Jared for wanting to, like, be in this character and, like, take it there. But, like, I think we could have done without it. And it's not like that was a surprise. That was in the trailers and everything. We knew right. that this was going to be the thing. But I feel like they could have done interesting things aside from that. Yeah. You know, even like take a little, make a little play on it. Make it like he's pale and he can't go out in the sun because he burns easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like, like teehee like a vampire and then he becomes a vampire and now he can go out in the sun. You know? Yeah. Like, do like some ironic. Yeah. Play it, there. Like you could have, you could have had some fun with it instead of just making it like, look, he's on crutches and now he's not. So he's super now, you know, and it's like, mm, eh, it's not how that mm, works. Eh. <laughs> anyway, we're going to dip into the more spoilery stuff uh, now. So if you don't want spoilers for some reason, uh, leave. Bye. Bye. Just it was nice whatever, to you. whatever you go do, make sure it's not going to see more. <laughs> That's all. Anyway, uh, so, I guess two big points I want to talk about in the spoilery section. Okay. Uh, the villain. Yeah. Bad. Not good. Matt Smith, good job yeah. playing bad villain. I'm tired of superhero movies that have to make the first villain someone... And Sony's real bad about this. But first villain's like someone you new as a kid and or whatever someone you're something nah, related to. not even not even that necessarily just i'm tired of it being like hey your first villain is someone that had like the same thing happen to you right because that seems to be what they're doing we've had yeah, two that. venom movies so far that are like this person's venom but worse and then morbius did the same thing yeah this one is morbius but worse and it's because they're building their universe off of these villains, but they want them to still be kind of good. <laughs> so in order to do that, they have to be like, look, this one also vampire, but him mean. <laughs> he bad man. He bad vampire. Just good vampire. Movies like, don't want to be vampire. Like, he just is. That's <laughs> fine. But then you give me these shoehorned crappy 
he's in the movie for 20 minutes villains. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, because first Venom villain, same freaking thing. Yeah. It was the dude in charge of the foundation or whatever who also had a symbiote and was like, I'm a mean symbiote. Look, <laughs> look how mean I am. I'm so mean. I'm a bad Venom. And then the second movie was Carnage, which Carnage's whole basic thing is, I'm a bad symbiote. <laughs> I just want different villains. I just, like, I know Morbius as a character outside of, like, the vampire world doesn't have a huge variety of villains to choose from, but maybe establish a universe where there's already vampires and throw them up against vampires. Pick a low-rung vampire character that you have rights to. If you don't have rights to any of the Marvel vampires, screw it. Pick a person and make them a vampire. And have it be like Morbius does this thing to himself, goes out starting like to do the Venom thing of like, I'm only going to eat bad people, which is kind of funny that your two movies that you've put out, Sony, are basically the same person. <laughs> and <laughs> then, you know, have him run into real vampires and have to deal with that or something. I don't know. There's a lot to choose from. Disappointing. I would like to talk about how I'm pretty sure this movie script was written by squids trying to understand the human experience. <laughs> there are a couple yeah. instances where things happen in the plot and you go, why? One that stands out to me. The main villain's name is Lucas or Lucius, whatever. Lucian, I think it Lucian. was. Yeah, yeah. They only say it twice because then they change his name to Milo. Yeah, he's just Milo He now. changes his name to Milo. Everyone else changes his name to Milo. He is officially Milo. He doesn't want to be Milo, but then he's Milo. What? Yeah. The, it, the context for it made no sense. The scene that really got to me was, hey, Morbius is on the run from the FBI for the murders of a bunch of people, including one perfectly innocent nurse and single mother of twins. Let's go get lunch. Hey, my friend, scientist lady, I need to talk to you and need you to get some stuff out of my lab for me. Instead of doing that in, like, an alleyway or <laughs> your house, let's go to this crowded, small, sure, but crowded diner and have ourselves a little conversation don't worry though i'm wearing a hoodie i know i look like michael michael morbius and i refuse to shave my beard for some reason which would probably help but let's go into this crowded place my <laughs> face is all over the news and on every daily bugle <laughs> issue front page but you know let's go to this place where they probably have newspapers on the counter and chit chat about me being a vampire. How about the instance when they're in a bar and this woman is offered a drink by my low guy and she accepts it. And dude next to her goes, she's spoken for. But they don't leave together. Yeah. They don't seem to have any relation together. There's no... I mean, I think that's just... That's probably the most realistic thing that happened in this <laughs> <laughs> The bizarre situation of it is so... Just random and does nothing for anything. Yeah. I wh who wrote this? Yeah, it it was 
It was rough. It plays out like a Wikipedia entry for Michael Morbius for the first, like, hour. And then when they decide to introduce the bad guy, it's suddenly completely shifted and rushes its way towards the ending. Yeah. And then it's over. Yeah. And you're free. And you're free to live your life and go see a movie that's worth seeing. <laughs> Unless you're dumb enough to stick around in the credits. Oh, God, And don't. then you have to experience the future of Sony ruining Marvel IPs. I was... The stage play. I was okay. When the movie ended, I was like, you know, it wasn't good, but like... It was fine. I'm okay. You were drastically more accepting of it than I was. I was fine (laughs) with it. And then the stingers hit. Yeah. So for those interested, the stingers, uh, the first one features a little glimpse of the like universe rift stuff that happened in No Way Home, except in this universe, which happens to also be the Venom universe, we can assume because Michael Morbius says I am Venom at one point and uh, there's references to the thing that happened in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're in the Venom universe. They share a universe. Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes gets pulled into this universe. He just appears in a cell in prison and there's a news report about it. And then there's a second stinger, luckily not far away from the first one, <laughs> for those ready to run out of the theater at this point, where Adrian Toomes, having acquired a vulture suit somehow, <laughs> rolls up to Michael Morbius, who had driven out into the middle of a desert for some reason. And apparently decided not to kill himself. Yeah. Uh, and... Is like, hey, this was, I don't know how I got here, but it was somehow Spider-Man's fault. But I think we should team up. Setting up Sinister Six movie and also weirdly kind of referencing that there is a Spider-Man in this universe. Because Morbius doesn't seem too taken aback by the word Spider-Man. Which if you live in a universe with no Spider-Man and someone's like, I don't know how I got here, but I think it's Spider-Man's fault. I think the first thing you would say would be... What's a Spider-Man? Then again, we hadn't seen any other facial expressions from Morbius the entire movie yeah, anyway. True. Um, So it there's a lot of problems here. So many. The first being, why would Doctor Strange send a resident of his home universe to another universe? <sighs> and it's easy to just... That one's easy to rationalize as just magic's funky. And... <laughs> Be like, oh, well, you know, when he fixed the spell, he was returning all the villains that were attracted to Spider-Man. Because that was the whole reason they were, like, coming through, is they were, like, attracted to Spider-Man. Uh, they're, he's sending all of them back to their home universes, quote-unquote. And so maybe it's because Adrian Toomes is the only living Tom Holland Spider-Man villain. And so he got sent back. That does beg the question of... Does that mean, like, the bodega bandits that he stopped that mm-hmm. one time in one of the movies also got sent back? Is Donald Glover's character that he had an interaction with also sent back to... Like, is every vaguely 
vaguely one side of the moral compass person that ever interacted with Tom Holland Spider-Man also in a different universe now? Because if so, maybe Doctor Strange being held accountable for messing with the multiverse is a bit more understandable understandable because he's just sending citizens of earth <laughs> to other universes and uh, we don't know if they're all going to the venom universe no no they could be on like like you could just be some purse snatcher that got spider-man once and suddenly you're in like a universe of marvel zombies that's awful i mean and it opened up such a better opportunity why wouldn't they have just set it up where like Venom and Tombs got swapped, and Venom stayed in the main continuity, and Tombs got sent to the Venom continuity, and then we would have actually had Venom, and then it would have made sense, and things would have been nicer, but we can't have nice things. <laughs> Why wouldn't they just have the stinger be Venom and Morbius linking up? Oh, right, because they want to use Michael Keaton more because money? I don't know. Uh, it also begs the question for me of where the hell did he get a vulture suit? Yeah. Because he built that off of scrapped Chitari technology <laughs> from the Battle of New York that happened exclusively in the main. <sighs> so did, was there other, did he get, <laughs> appear in jail and then immediately go on like a Nathan Drake world hopping treasure hunt? To, like, find all this ancient alien technology scattered around the world so he could build a wingsuit. Like, what happened there? Did he build it out of conventional technology? It does look a little different than his one from uh, Homecoming, so maybe that's what they're going for, but that's a little weird. I don't know. Are we really about to build a Sinister Six team with two anti-heroes and a villain yeah. not even from this world? And is that what they're doing? My final problem is the Spider-Man mention. The fact that Adrian Toome says, I don't know how I got here, but I know it's Spider-Man's fault. And there wasn't a line of Morbius going, what's a Spider-Man? Who that? Gives me qualms. Because <laughs> in the... Venom world, the Venom world of things, mm -hmm. we see no mention of Spider-Man. None. Ever. Nope. Venom is unrelated to Spider-Man, no mention. Yep. When Venom briefly gets pulled into the MCU, unfortunately briefly, <laughs> he looks at the screen with Spider-Man on it and is like, I know that guy. And it's accepted that Venom knows him because, whatever, symbiote hive minds and stuff. Null and things. Uh, Null and Clintar and blah, 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 comic nerddom. <laughs> um, Eddie does not know what that spider thing is. No, he don't. So from that, <laughs> we can infer that there is no Spider-Man in Eddie Brock's world. Mm-hmm. Morbius seems okay with the idea of Spider-Man, which begs the question of, is there a Spider-Man in Morbius's world? Is it a new Spider-Man? Which, considering we don't know what the situation in San Francisco was, maybe that's not Venom. Is this a different world? <sighs> he does make, right, because he made the Venom reference, right? I think so. He was like, I am Venom. Oh. <sighs> 
it was in the trailers, and then he was like, no, it's Michael Morbius. How you doing? But they took that part out. He's just like, oh, and then the guy runs away. I hate it. And they took out the things from the trailers that referenced Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. They took out the building, the Oscorp building, that references Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. So is Sony setting up casting a new Spider-Man? Or are they setting up being in a position here where they can do whatever they want with their quote-unquote universe? Because it, 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 it simultaneously feels like they wanted to dissolve the idea of having a unified universe. But then also want to have it. Yeah. Because of tombs coming in yeah. and being like, let's make a team, which suggests they're going to go out and get other people, which would in imply a they've got the craven thing coming up so he's probably going to be a part of it yeah tombs is basically the samuel L. jackson of the nick fury of this universe and he's just going to go around and collect all these villain characters they're doing movies for so are we getting a new spider-man what I are know. we doing I don't know. like is there gonna be a universe is venom a part of this venom and carnage gonna happen in this world i don't know if so is eddie brock you know known notorious journalist just unaware of the news coming out of new york of a man in a red jumpsuit flying around calling himself spider-man like <laughs> did eddie brock did he get dropped into a different universe when the swappies happened so it, now he's with everybody else my frustration my endless frustration with a lot of these companies is they don't want, they want to have these universes and they don't want to put the effort into plotting it out. Yeah. And it's, it's fair to recognize that while Marvel did have a very, the lead up to Thanos, the run up to Endgame was really cool and it really worked. If you go back and watch the early stuff, there are times where you can see Marvel flip flopping a little bit on what direction they want to take things. Right. And, you know, eventually they got to a point where they were like, okay, Next six years, this is what's happening. Like, when they were at, like, the halfway point, they kind of decided, like, what was going to happen. Um, a little bit earlier. Like, they knew Thanos was going to be some big dude that they brought in eventually by, like, Avengers. Yeah. But he, even his kind of, like, approach to things flip-flopped. And it was, you know, there was a lead up there. But these, they at least had a plan at some point. Of, there, like, yeah. That they wanted to do a unified thing. They wanted to connect everybody. They wanted to get to this Avengers movie. When they did the Avengers movie, they teased Thanos. And then at that point, they were like, whoa, why don't we keep doing this unified thing and run it up into this big Thanos? Everybody's involved now. Um, and it worked. But DC Extended Universe... The Sony Spider-Man stuff, even Marvel to an extent where they're at right now, it seems like they're just more focused on pumping things out Yep. with this idea of a connected universe out there Yep. and not interested in taking the time to figure out what connects it, figuring out where that connection lies and where it's going to go. I mean, honestly, the best thing DC's ever done was it's accept that there's a multiverse, there's different universes, there's going to be different people, we're going to cast different people as different things, there are going to be movies that are not connected, there's going to be, you know, TV shows that aren't connected, and that's okay. And everyone accepts it, and it's fine now. Mm -hmm. Like, when it was a forced 
DCEU and it was like everything had to be the same and everything had to be connected, but it didn't really make sense and they were rushing really hard. Yeah. It was gross. It didn't give the characters the quality and the time they deserved. But now that they're accepting, okay, some things just aren't going to connect. Good. Yeah. The Batman doesn't need to connect to this other shit that's already been made. We yep. don't need it to. Let things be independent so that you can build quality ips and then build from yeah, there exactly like the the whole idea of a connected universe is cool it really really is it's very very neat but it only really works if you take the time and put the money and funds into having somebody who's curating it and a team of people who are curating it and you plan it out you plot it and plan it mm-hmm. if you go into franchises and connected universes with less of a plan it turns out bad. Look mm-hmm. at the Star Wars sequels. Mm-hmm. Look at the early DCEU stuff. Look at what Sony's doing right now. Like, these things don't turn out well if you abandon, like, a plan for fear of, like, losing contracts or losing actors and stuff like that, you know? Like... Everybody needs a Kevin. Yeah. But not everybody has a Kevin. Yep. <laughs> but... This stinger was highly confusing. It was terrible. We're not going to be the only ones to tell you that. Everyone's up in arms about it. it it's was just bad. It ruined. It everything. just makes no sense, and it really doesn't bode well for what Sony's going to do to the Spider-Man stuff they have control of. No. It's it's really unfortunate. Yeah. In my opinion, that Marvel was never able to get their Spider-Man stuff back because it's. It's going to be a rough ride. It's going to be a very rough ride. And I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> I just, it's, it's very disappointing. It's just one of those things that I wish Sony would acknowledge their losses the way that, you know, I mean, Fox is a different scenario because Fox obviously got purchased by Disney. But yeah. I feel like to some extent, toward the end, Fox recognized their losses between New Mutants. I mean, this one did worse than New Mutants. That says something. And yeah. I liked New Mutants. Um, like they recognized their loss with Fantastic Four, they recognized with the loss with New Mutants, and they were like, you know what? Maybe we can make more money doing something else. <laughs> and that's that's what I wish Sony would acknowledge is like maybe we'll make more money if we just sell all this crap back to Disney, yeah, than trying to pump out these movies that nobody wants and don't make sense on our damaging characters. Yeah, I mean they don't care about the last point, but yes, the are making us look bad and are underperforming. Maybe we should just get rid of them. Yeah, just go get your Marvel money and then be done. Who knows? (laughs) If they are for sure taking steps to cast a new Spider, I don't know how that will work. God, help us. Because of, you know, their deal with Marvel. Maybe they're just looking to get a new Spider person. Maybe we'll get a Spider girl or a Spider woman. The only way, the only way I would approve of a new spider person in this universe is if they did a silk. Because she hasn't been mentioned anywhere. She hasn't been tied in anywhere. That's the thing is I don't, like we had a little bit of a conversation. I don't know what their original deal was. I haven't looked into it as much as I probably should have. But my understanding was is that they just bought the rights to Spider-Man and existing Spider-Man characters at the time that they bought them. So that would have been way back when. Since then, we've gotten Miles, we've gotten Spider-Gwen, we've gotten uh, Silk. And so, like, the weird thing about Miles and Spider-Gwen is that, like, 
as far as I understand it, Marvel technically owns Miles, but Sony owns Spider-Man. So Sony can't use Miles without permission from Marvel, but Marvel can't make a Miles character into Spider-Man, Spider-Man without permission from Sony. <sighs> Gwen Stacy's like the opposite. Yeah. Sony owns Gwen Stacy, but I don't think owns Spider-Gwen. Unless there was some sort of sale that happened around the time of Into the Spider-Verse. And it could be that Sony did a licensing deal for all current and future Spider-Man characters. But goodness. But who does that? Yeah. I get that Marvel was in like a desperate place at that point in time. But that would be a crazy bit of like sale to make. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it also wouldn't behoove Marvel to really introduce a ton of characters into these books. But... And it's, I need to double check on when Miles came about, because it might have been before the deal, but I think it was after the deal. It was, like, right around the same time that the deal happened. But at the very least, Spider-Gwen came around later. And Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider as a character, uh, potentially belongs to Marvel. It might belong to Sony because Ghost Spider already existed as a character, but this Ghost Spider... Anyway. Um, Silk, though... Does Marvel own Silk? Who Silk knows? and her alternate ego of Cindy didn't exist when the deal <sighs> happened. So do they <laughs> own Silk? Can they use Silk? I don't know. I don't like it's weird territory and it's just it's frustrating if all these great characters and there's good stuff coming out of Sony like the, the Spider-Man movies, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies that they've been making in conjunction with Marvel have been great. Yep. The Spider-Man PlayStation stuff has been really, really good. Like, I'm excited for the next one if I can ever get a PlayStation 5. The Into the Spider-Verse Into stuff. the Spider-Verse stuff. Really excellent. Yeah. But this stuff that they're doing with the other Spider-IP, the kind of like, we want to do our own thing. Our and live not, action thing. Not, atta- not attach it to Spider-Man because we don't want to have to work in conjunction with Marvel has been bad. It's like, just not good. Venom was okay at best, even for, like, the most hardcore Venom fans. Let There Be Carnage was terrible, and Morbius was awful. I have no hope for the Craven movie. Oh, God, no. How do you even make that character into an interesting character? Once again, I feel so bad for we've Aaron got, Taylor yeah, Johnson. <laughs> we've got, like, the Madam Web stuff coming up or whatever. Like, aren't they casting for yeah. this, like, Madam Web yeah. movie? Yeah, um, it's Dakota Johnson's gonna be madam webb i guess Something i have so madam. many questions about that so i don't know i like this was horribly disappointing i feel bad for jared leto because i feel like this is probably the end of him doing superhero stuff ip projects yeah um he's probably gonna go to the way of ben affleck and be like i'm done i don't you blame know. him and yeah, you can't blame him he got handed a shit roll <laughs> like, twice it wasn't written well it wasn't directed well it was shot nice yeah like i said cinematography was great but it just it was such a flat movie this was so not great i don't recommend it i don't recommend going out and seeing it i don't even recommend watching it when it comes to streaming which it won't because it's sony yeah true so (laughs) if you happen to be at like a sports bar or a friend's house and this is on the tv sure tnt watch it (laughs) But I don't recommend going out of your way because it's just it's kind of a waste of time. Nothing really happens. There's nothing really exciting about it. You know, go look up the action sequences on YouTube. Go watch the Underworld movies. 
Yeah. Have some vampire fun that way, or Blade. Oh, Blade's great. But this one's missable. Yeah. Not not great. Not good. No. So, anyway, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want more episodes of Cover B, including other real extras that we've done and many, many other types of episodes, you can find them on our website at CoverBPodcast.com. That's right. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CoverBPodcast. So thanks again for listening. I'm sorry this was a very Debbie Downer episode. <laughs> but we appreciate you sticking around. If you came back after going to see it to get the spoilers, welcome back. Thank you for sticking around. Uh, and as always, I have been Chris. This has been T. Yep. And you have been listening to, to Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.